Hi and welcome to QED 42's podcast Design Voice. I am Priyanka Jeff and I'm a design writer at QED 42. This is our fifth episode and the guest today on the podcast is Divyani M Lal. Divyani is a design researcher and author of a soon to be launched book on design practices. Divyani has conducted many design thinking workshops and has traveled globally to carry out user research for various products and service designs. Today's episode will focus on Divyani's career journey and how she takes us through various notions of design thinking in a soon to be launched book. Hi Divyani, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Hi Priyanka. Thank you so much for having me. Uh it's a pleasure. And uh, I'm doing well. Uh how are you doing? I am good. I'm good. And I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today because you know um i saw you like completely immersed in textiles and garments and surrounded with clothes while we were like in nift and uh, now you're like a well known user researcher you've been traveling across the world and identifying user needs and uh, i mean your book is getting launched soon so um how did you reach her what is your story i was introduced to design back in the late 90s when i was in high school and uh design uh was synonymous to fashion design and all its grandeur and that initial thought sort of shaped my journey into getting myself into a design school and i got myself into fashion and textiles uh but then out there uh during the foundation years we were actually introduced to the origins of design and other uh, worldly uh art movements and how design started at bahaus uh even the translation of a basic inspiration into a concept and that concept is molded into a prototype that's when the meaning of design sort of changed for me and when the specialization began uh that sort of uh, definition of design became too narrowed and focused and that aspect of pigeon holding myself as a particular professional designer in textiles i was not okay with that at the time and that sort of realization happened very early that this is not my calling which was very different from my other colleagues who were very certain what they really wanted to do you know post graduation like they would see themselves working uh, with some designer or or at right. some design studio and So yeah I I already knew that I was not fitting in at that time. So once when that happened I I knew that uh I had to figure that figure my way out right. So uh once I was out there I was literally like a headless chicken running everywhere. <laughs> I was open to anything and any project that was coming my way. So I dabbled into graphic design. I dabbled into content development i even did short films and so yeah like i said i was doing everything and that sort of opened my mind at that time even though they like they like two schools of thought who do not appreciate this waywardness in a practice they appreciate mm-hmm. the, a more mm-hmm. focused approach in your practice so so I, i didn't know better right at the time so what i felt was that i should just dive in 
and just see it how it goes till I figure out what it what it is really that I want to do in life. And yeah, so during that experiment phase, I was also uh, pursuing competitive exams for further studies. And that's when uh, National Institute of Design happened, which was like a dream school for me. And and it was like a major validation at the time to even get myself a seat there. And uh, that that was that was I would say that that phase was like a breakthrough in my design journey, because uh, even though I was in apparel again, like, you know, you'd expect, oh, so in the middle of a master's, she's right there. She would have figured it out. Right. But no, that didn't happen for me even then. So um, I was, again, clueless uh, as to what was going to be my design practice. But then the foundation was very, very, uh, what should I say, mind-opening experience. Uh, they didn't just teach us about design foundation. They actually uh, exposed us to the fact that designers really make a difference. And they actually have a purpose. It's just not merely uh, built around aesthetics and just functions and how to make things look appealing. It was beyond that. We were actually solving problems and that epiphany sort of built my next series of steps so even though I was in a misguided specialization of an apparel designer um, post that uh, convocation I again dabbled with some projects but this time it was more oriented towards research because I knew that this is one area that fascinates me and so, so, so uh, there was this project uh, by my senior. She was uh, heading a research study with Qualcomm, and they had designed these series of educational uh, games for children in the age group of four to eight years, uh, who are now called Jer Alphas, but at the time we didn't know that then. And she invited me to be part of that research study, me despite being from an apparel design background. So I was all in. I was a little, of course, you are a little nervous, right? But then uh, I got exposed to new research techniques. I got to know more about ethnography, something I just broadly, you know, browsed through back at NID. And I got to develop protocols, how to conduct yourself on a field study when you're interacting with such young age group. Uh, So that experience sort of built my core foundation and, and and that's when the epiphany happened. I do. This is something that I can really do and pursue for a long time. And that's how I got myself into user research. And with that experience and um, and a couple of more research stints, I got I, I got the opportunity to become a lead at Tata Alexi. Uh, and that was also an interesting experience because I was not only doing uh, product uh, research that was product or a service area, uh, you know, related. It was mm-hmm. it was beyond that. I was doing uh, uh, research that was targeting public transit systems, uh, research that revolved around healthcare, and which was itself a global research, which is not just based on uh, an India-focused study. So uh, it took me to China, it took me to Egypt, it took me to Turkey. So that was also an interesting experience in itself. 
so yeah that's where i am today and this is my design practice which is design research amazing i mean this is such an adventurous journey and uh, i didn't know all of this i mean learning about all of this and realizing the fact that you know when you are open to design anything and you understand the true notion of design the design is for creating solutions and it's not limited to aesthetics it can actually inspire you to reach levels that you otherwise would not have thought of so um so divani what i really want to know more about is that uh, what is your book about what's the name of the book firstly hey my book is uh, design thinking beyond the sticky notes okay uh, and this it book, means um, it means uh, so i'll tell you how i came up with the name so that will sort of that's an interesting story too the, the name sort of came very early to me uh, during the stage of book proposal writing itself because i was kind of wrapped up with the fact that what it is really that i'm trying to bring on the table uh, that has not been already said on design thinking and so when i was doing that i i being a design practitioner myself who have led and designed many design thinking workshops i knew that we tend to get attached to the paraphernalia of design thinking for instance if you google design thinking the first stock image that will pop up is a room full of people surrounded with sticky notes and posters and sharpies yeah. right yes yes so that's the image i wanted to dissociate my book with and that's how the name came in which is design thinking beyond the sticky notes nice like that's like a whole another concept it actually happens like we've been made made to you know put sticky notes on everything that we do uh nice so you are telling me about various workshops that you've done uh, what kind of workshops i mean that you've conducted any specific ones that you would like to point out for us yeah so besides uh, design thinking workshops that i would design and conduct for uh, various clients like let's say mercedes and panasonic who would want to get introduced to the concept of design thinking and how they would be able to apply it during their different stages of their design process or any creative process so besides that um um so i have to tell you about this uh, UX India conference this happened back in 2018 mm-hmm. so uh that sort of began when i met uh, shorya rastogi he's a ux designer and meru vishisht uh she used to be my rockstar research intern but now she is a design researcher herself and uh, and i met them when i was uh, leading design and research at tata lexi so on a typical coffee uh, session post work uh we were uh, discussing about design and design practices and its aftermath uh so shorya being a ux designer he would share his thoughts on certain design interventions that have happened in the areas of ux so for instance um uh, more deep diving into humor computer interaction or navigation and interfaces what really happens and uh, what happens behind the scene when you're actually designing or coming up with a solution what is it what is the idea so the idea is to basically make life easy for a user right to design a solution that is convenient for them but right. then but then he gave an example like for instance if you are accessing some data on your mobile 
interface. The idea of just scrolling through is just uh, mind blow mind blowing, right? Like it is so easy and it makes you makes the data accessible. You can just scroll from one feed to the other. And but then he pointed out that over the years there's been a, a harmful implication of this brilliant design solution, and that sort of uh, put a seed in my head that maybe, maybe we can have this open dialogue on uh, where the responsibility of a designer really lie. Is it, does it end after designing a design solution or does it go beyond that? So that uh, conversation triggered something in us. And that's when I pitched the idea of mindful design practices at this conference. Uh, so, and we designed a workshop around it by developing a series of method cards on mindful design that we would like to present to certain participants and give them a problem space or a design statement and help them if they can execute these cards in a specific. Um, so what uh, are these um, specific mindful design cards? Like, could you give us some examples? Sure. So suppose that UX conference scene, I sort of picked these cards up and made them more focused and aligned so that they can actually be utilized, not just in a workshop scenario, but even in a workplace setting where you actually are designing and debating on an everyday basis. So I, uh, I developed these uh, cards into basic seven categories, starting with, let's say, the context setting. Context setting is, is, is like a go-to, right? You have to develop a context before you begin anything. So that, that category has many prompts that will enable you to have that important dialogue with all your stakeholders, not just you and your design manager or your other teammates. You can actually involve your client to be part of it. So to understand their implicit as well as explicit needs, right? So and of course it has to be beyond a project scope or a project brief. So that's what these prompts offer. Next category is called framing. You obviously need to frame your problem space better. It has to, you need to know your whys, you need to know your hows, you need to understand all the stakeholders involved. And then comes the knowing your audience category. Like it says the name, it is about knowing your audience. Uh, you need to understand your target group. You need to understand your personas better. You need to understand their current behaviors. You need to, of course, be able to do their journey mapping better. But there is one in interesting card that I would like to talk about. It mm -hmm. is called Consider Extreme. So this card prompt uh, allows you to actually consider extreme users and extreme scenarios while you are framing your problems. So it can't be just focused on a specific target group that your client wants. It has to be other extreme users as well. So it basically heightens your sense of empathy. And of course, being a designer, you are somewhat qualified to introduce accessibility in your design solutions. I strongly believe that. So I feel this prompt is really important in your design process. So I'm so excited to read the book. I mean... <laughs> 
So I can just barge in like that, but this accessibility and the empathy part that, you know, we really need to add and the clients also need to understand the part of it, you know, so I'm like really looking forward to read your book. Absolutely. Um, So, um, so what are these, like, do you have any live examples of a certain scenario placed like, or does it just provide frameworks for different levels and phases of design? Or there are like specific examples of different uh, scenario that a user is going through. So, for example, uh, when we were mapping this out, um, so there is uh, another category called impact. So this is where this is an important category because we wanted the role of the designer to go beyond just devising a specific solution or just figuring out areas of design intervention. So this, this these categories. Uh, sort of gives you prompts, it gives you triggers, it in fact enables more arguments that you can actually have with your own team. So so I'll give you the uh, areas that we are talking about. So there is something called, you, there's a card called discourse, debate, dialogue. So this sort of re-loops you back in a conversation. There is also an interesting called the conspirator. So, for instance, if you divide your team into two and if Mm -hmm. one is batting for a certain solution or a certain direction and the other one is batting for the other, the conspirator gets the power to play the devil's advocate and sort of take both these solutions through and figure out the alternatives and, you know, discard them. So it's a very powerful card for that person. So, yeah. So if you actually allow designers to in that game play. So. The gameplay sort of enables you to deal with these important and tough questions more easily. And that is what I was trying to achieve with certain cards. And there's also another interesting called, uh, card called the Pro for Stigma. So you, will, you know that we are currently uh, going through a very difficult social dynamic. Uh, uh, oh, wherein yes, completely acknowledge <laughs> the fact. Yeah. So so there are issues uh, where dissent is, has become a problem where so 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 I under, I so what I did was I was tracing how dissent is uh, dissent is happening in creative ways across the world. Okay. So I came across uh, a, an artist who a French artist he was actually just on the streets of Paris and he was barking constantly he was just barking like uh, emulating a sound of a dog or a wolf and literally like literally like ooh, and more exaggerated and of course the audiences didn't know what was the purpose so his purpose really was at the time he did not agree uh, with their leaders of their country harping on uh, on on how uh, global warming doesn't exist so he was equating that with someone who has no idea whatsoever. But then he was giving a more, a very interesting twist to dissent. So I, so I found that very interesting. And then I figured, why can't we do that when we are designing? Why uh, can't we ask this tough question, whether we are carrying any sort of prejudice against a particular race or community or religion or color while we are designing? So we have to revisit our processes with such tough questions. So that that was one of the cards that I felt has been applied and it's being applied these days. 
wherein we are constantly rechecking and if you uh, like you're already aware of black lives matter so right. that global movement triggered the entire world to rethink its resources so even at airbnb so at airbnb here in the uh, in the us so uh, there used to be a a, a hidden ra- a racist uh, movement that was going on like i'll tell you for example if the host figured out that the uh, renters were not white uh they would not rent them their house or or you know would not open their homes to these other users and airbnb figured figured it out when they realized that this discrimination was really happening and that's when they did the intervention of removing that filter of race from their uh, invited so you had the and race filter before and then they okay Yeah so there was a race filter because or uh, because you could see the image of the person right so they removed that that even if you don't put your picture the uh, host has to give you their apartment based on your ratings and nothing else so that was a right intervention they did at the time so it is definitely being applied so oh. yeah this is an eye opening sort of a conversation and who's why i would say again that i'm really looking forward to your book um so is this book any different from uh, are you talking about a specific process is it inspired by design thinking or you know is it any different from these processes that we follow in most of our design you know projects and everything over here hmm. so it would be unfair for me to compare uh, the book with already existing frameworks so i so this book sort of uh, compiles a, a series of different case studies uh a series of personal experiences by different practitioners that i have interacted with for this book they okay. belong to the domains of technology design product services and even education and learning so i wanted to offer a multifaceted and nuanced discourse on design thinking through this book and and mind you it is not a book that presents a specific design theory that could be presented in a room full of academics no nor is it a book like a how to guide for uh, young practitioners to learn how to apply design thinking with mm-hmm. no it is a book uh, offering an open discourse on design practices design complex relationship of design with people and eventually uh, after all these simplified arguments and critique we should be able to arrive at a specific but open ended mindset on design thinking so that's what this book intends to offer which is really nice i mean i've not heard i read a lot and i've not heard about a book which talks so much openly about uh, so many things that have been hidden for a very long time and tapping on so many different things that we really don't realize you know because we have submissions to do we have projects to do and we have deadlines to meet but uh, this can really change a lot of things for you know upcoming design projects and for designers and as well as for you know cxos and other level people so um you were saying that you had a lot of people uh, involved in the book while writing the book mm-hmm. so and they were from so any specific person that you would like to quote and how did that person help you uh, getting the right uh, 
getting the right objective mm-hmm. in the book so for this book i interviewed close to 35 people mm-hmm. and like i said uh, they were not just yeah so i took this book as an experiment because i didn't want to just harp on my point of view i wanted to make sure that i get to offer multiple point of views here and so yeah like i said so these were not just practitioners in the field of design they were also creative thinkers in the field of management in the field of data privacy technology and of course education and learning so so i i should tell you about uh, this uh, young uh, privacy advocate and privacy expert i met uh, i met her in uh, san francisco at some diwali party at a friend's place and uh, she uh, uh, she kind of told me about certain aspects certain big giants uh, i wouldn't want to name them uh, some tech giants that's like to indulge in uh, just because they want to sharpen their products and they want to make their lives easy of their user but there is a lot of privacy infringement that is happening and so she actually uh, <laughs> took me through a series of examples as to how these tech giants are sort of taking advantage of their users and that sort of led us to having this conversation called uh panopticon yeah so so what is panopticon panopticon is actually an architecture concept uh it uh, came basically it is that there is a prison compound and in the middle of the that compound there is a high rise tower a tower where supposedly the warden of the prison is supposed to stay and he gets a a proper panoramic eye view of the entire prison so the idea was that the warden is sort of keeping an eye on the entire prison and prisoners and their movements but then the fact was the warden wasn't there all the time but this was sort of a mind play on the prisoners thinking that they were constantly being watched mm. okay so so when you are having this discussion so technically we are living in a digital panopticon society wherein we are equally part of it where we are being watched or we think we are being watched so that sort of was an eye opening conversation at the time and of this, course i've uh, credited her for her thoughts in the book <laughs> it was really great you know getting to know everything that you just told us and there are so many of these things that i definitely didn't know about it was a great learning experience for me this entire recording of a podcast i really want to thank you for taking out time to be with us thank you my pleasure priyanka it was lovely talking to you thank you for having me so that was the conversation with divyani do look out for her book design thinking beyond the sticky notes it's going to be launched in july and it will be available in india united states uk and of course on amazon thank you for listening to us this is priyanka jeff in design wise from qvd 42